it's part of the AEC program. Everybody, you know, everybody's doing it. We don't talk yeah. about Siskiyou. People say we don't talk about Bruno. I don't talk about Siskiyou, okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who's Bruno? <laughs> Building Better with Ben podcast. Uh, Cody Ahern, we got our owner Michael Pear on today, and as a guest, Sanika with DPR Construction. Uh, Mike, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself since this is uh, you're not on these podcasts very often? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Michael Pear, um, uh, owner of MLP Consulting, and uh, we've been in business now for well, since 2015 was when we started. So. 2015, it's yeah. long. Seems long ago. Now it does. I mean, it seems like just yesterday at the same time, but yeah. seven years is a lot of time in BIM, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. How about you, Sayuka? You want to tell um, us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm Sayukta, and I know it's <laughs> super easy to butcher my name. That's all right. Um, so I haven't spent a lot of time uh, in BIM. Uh, I just started uh, one and a half year ago. Um, I was in uh, India doing my undergrad and then I was pretty fascinated towards BIM and all the technology and innovation in construction but unfortunately I couldn't um, find a lot of opportunity there so I moved here got my master's and oh, well. um, yeah I got my master's and then and then I actually worked for a um, electric subcontractor did mm -hmm. modeling um and all like maybe everything you're doing right now uh and then even i felt the same thing there i was like okay i need more to you know i need more opportunities because at some point i was like i felt restricted there's only so much you could do if you're modeling just one uh trade so, and then that's that's why I decided uh, to come to DPR. Yeah, it sounds like so. you're a bit overqualified for that position over <laughs> at the electrical company. I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I just thought I could do more. Um, and so... You were bored? Yeah. Yeah. Where'd uh, you get your master's from? Uh, ASU. Really? Mm -hmm. Right on. In construction mm -hmm. management? Oh, yes really so i did my undergrad in civil engineering but i was like that's too much i can't so i was like okay construction management sounds good so right on yeah that's real impressive i don't know a lot of people with a master's in construction management that's for sure Ooh. definitely yeah definitely take you places with that one yeah. so and how long have you been at dpr now uh i joined almost a year so i just call myself a fresher yeah so it's just been a year um I worked on a hospital project um, from for six to seven months, and then now I am working with you on the data center. Nice. So it's it hasn't been a long time. So I'm still learning DPR processes um, and whole the VDC management side of stuff. So if you yes. can make a, a difference in the BIM world, I mean, obviously you have goals and stuff. What, what are yeah. your goals? How, how could you, what's your way that you want to help innovate the BIM industry and kind of. Okay. Um, so when I started, I had like a list of things in my mind. 
and now as i actually started working like in real life i'm like okay it's i don't know i mean i maybe it wasn't realistic enough because i didn't really work in the actual industry but now i'm like 101 would be actually educating or spreading awareness if you might say about bim and i think like i like mentioned before it's mm-hmm. super cool stuff what you're doing and um like people your listeners would be before they actually start into the industry they would know a lot more than me or you knew before we started our jobs mm-hmm. so that's my 101 and the second thing is not just like young people who are interested even uh the people who have been in the industry but they don't know so much about bim like our supers mm-hmm. and it could be very difficult right because they've been in the industry for like forever mm-hmm. they're the dragons of the industries right and then it's so difficult to you know get them accustomed to the new the new bim world or new technologies they're like oh we can just do it because we were doing it since forever and it works so why is there a need to change yeah they're doing it on paper right yeah i mean mike you were doing bim in the 90s weren't you i was they were yeah. taking drawings and overlaying them really 2d bim yeah we used to have a wall just like this that might be i don't know how old this building is but yeah. we would put prints up and we'd, we'd print them out on our uh-huh. head and we would everybody would go up to the board and they would you know they would see like you know fire protection cross and ductwork and so they would look at the elevations and oh. we'd have the elevations of the ceiling and the structure there right. and then we would we'd circle it and we would stand there with the fire protection guy and go can you do something and no can you do something <laughs> so that was your clash detection no, back in the day no no wow it was also used we also used light tables it was just a table with with lights underneath it wow. and it would shine up through the paper and oh yeah down. yeah i know about that but i've i've i'm literally hearing this for the first time like the old clash it's wow mind blowing <laughs> it was before navisworks yeah i think there's a lot of opportunity in, in in bim as far as you know getting jobs done better faster cheaper but on the flip side now you have the architects and the engineers that know bim exists they know that there's better ways to coordinate so rather than yeah. giving us two feet of ceiling space they give us a foot now because they said we can coordinate it so that's a great point actually so i don't know what i don't know if it it was forever like this or it's just since the since the vdc or bim world started uh the designs have become more not the best i would say yeah <laughs> yeah so it's yeah i don't know what's the reason it's just because they know we can coordinate or I don't know that's one of one of the things like a lot of uh a lot of us are struggling definitely. I've thought about that too. I wonder if it costs more, you know, as you go. Mhm. The taller the building is it probably costs more. Uh-huh. Um and then of course the architects they don't care what's in the ceiling, they don't care what's under it, right? Unless right. it's a building like this which is amazing. Yeah. Where you could see, you know, the cables and everything. And I know Scottsdale, Paradise Valley, a couple of cities out here with the mountains have height restrictions on their buildings. So if you want to have a multi-story building, you got to cut out the ceiling space. Yeah. Each story you add to maintain those those maximum height restrictions because everyone wants to be able to see the mountains and whatnot. Right. So that's also a challenge, but I definitely think 
you know, with, with Ben coming more into play, the expectations from the owners and the GCs have increased as well. You know, they expect mm -hmm. everything done faster, cheaper, better. Mm -hmm. And I think right now we're in this place where we're struggling to find that middle ground with what works well, you know? Right. I think projects are most successful when, when the GC can align the BIM schedule ahead of the construction schedule, and we're not quite there yet from what I've seen. It's always, we're BIMing as we're pouring concrete. Concrete's ordered for this day. We can't change it, you know? Yeah. And then you're constantly chasing yourself as soon as you fall behind. And if we can educate people on how to avoid that, I think yeah. that's where we take that next leap in the BIM industry. But there's so much, so it depends on what kind of project you're working, right? So if it's a maybe it's a hospital project you might have so much time in advance to bim coordinate but for especially advanced tech they just want it so quick and and it's not like um i don't know you just don't have so much time in advance for some reason they just it's like oh we signed the contract today and we just want you to start the construction maybe in a couple months and there is no way possible you can like sign off the whole BIM, BIM model, like every BIM model um, by by the time you're doing it. And then like Cody mentioned, we end up coordinating as we are building. And it, it's just, it gets so complicated at that point. Either you're compromising the quality um, because you want to get it faster Definitely. I mean, you can have the fastest BIM team on the planet, but you know, when, when the designers take forever to come back with RFI responses and yeah, that, that, that'll kill you right there. I mean, cause a lot of times, you know, if you proceed at risk, usually you end up, you end up biting yourself in the foot. Cause you know, every time you proceed at risk, you usually end up taking that cost when you, when you wait, then right. you usually get approval. But that one time you go for it, they're like, Nope, you yeah. changed our mind. And then you're like, man, so right. you know you learn just not to do things until you get that approval and then just snowball effect from right there. and you know what so sadly this reflects on bim like let's say if you are um if the designer you're waiting for the rfi to confirm or approve um they take forever and then now the whole team the like i said the supers who are who we are trying to prove that hey there is value in bim now they're like, oh, see, it's taking forever in this much like span of time. I would have just built it. And then nobody understand that it's a process. And when you say BIM, it's not just like few individuals who are modeling and coordinating. It's the whole team, like owner, all the managers, um, whole design team, every everyone. Mm -hmm. But then they just see that aspect of it and maybe like planning it better might help but that's one of the struggles i think we have we're facing right now yeah it's difficult with the schedule because i mean the owner ever ever it's an amazon prime world right now right you want yeah. like the next thing right so the owner wants it as soon as they can and with like the tech mm -hmm. for every day like an intel or whatever every day that they're not running they could be losing yeah you know, have a lot of money, money. Mm -hmm. so it's it's how do you fit it in <clears throat> um and, and still and still get it on time right oh yeah now we're battling supply shortages so you know lead times have increased tremendously so you mm -hmm. know electrical suppliers mechanical suppliers got to order their their parts and their equipment you know months ahead of time so right. the minute there's a change then that's you know there's more cost there to get that expedited obviously right. 
you know? So those are obviously the, the things killing the BIM industry. You know, what, what are the things that are kind of, in your opinion, helping to grow the BIM industry? Okay, so the basics, you know, like you were doing 2D cl clash coordination. Mm -hmm. um, that is, nobody can question that at this point because there is no other easier way they could do it. So it's pretty much easier to get everyone on board with that. So if you could like start with that and that would be the basic. And then when you go out in the field, you could do so much with QC or laser scanning to make sure that, you know, uh, what you have in the model is exactly they're putting out in the field. I mean, it shows, you know, going from talking about, you know, trying to coordinate on a wall. So it always had to be done, right? Right. I mean, if, if, if somebody wants to do something right, you kind of pre-plan, you think about what you're going to say before you say it. Right. You think about what you're going to do before you do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating a map like Ikea, you put together, Yeah. you know, you're like a guide. Yeah. Kind of. So now we're just with BIM, um, we're just making it faster. We're creating ideas to make things faster. Right. So then we're able to meet those deadlines. Then. Mm -hmm. So we're just waiting to see if Autodesk buys Visual Live or Trimble HoloLens. I could see that. Happening. So whichever one they buy first is the one that's going to get implemented. I mean, it's the same with Navis. They bought Navis and then look at it yeah. now, you know, before Autodesk purchased it. I can't attest to what it was like then, but I'm sure once Autodesk made that acquisition is when it really took off. Yeah, they bought um, Fabrication. It used to be, used to be CAD Duck and CAD Mac. Oh. Um, and then they, out of that they were out of it was map cc they were out of england and then um you got tsi they're the ones that sold it and then tsi you know they came up with siskiyou and then autodesk bought well i think autodesk bought fabrication first but yeah so now it's i mean it's part of the aec program everybody you know everybody's doing it we don't talk yeah. about siskiyou people say we don't talk about bruno i don't talk about siskiyou okay <laughs> <laughs> Who's Bruno? I don't yeah. know. It's some, some movie, man. All these kids, that, that we, they always run around saying we don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm like literally lost with those references. Yeah, yeah. Carly might know. I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> it's a song. Yeah. It's a song from Encanto, I think. Encanto, yeah. Oh, I actually, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. You should watch. My kids run around saying, we don't talk about Bruno. Oh, like yeah, the, the guy Bruno? who, so the brother, <laughs> yeah, who lives in the basement. Yeah, he, he runs away and then everybody thinks that he, he's like gone, but he actually lives in the basement and nobody knows about it. There's a good uh, video out there, this this kid, this husband on TikTok or whatever, he's like, so my kid just came home and came up to me and said, we don't talk about Bruno. I got one question for you. Who the heck is Bruno? And he's all looking at his wife. His wife's like, you're such an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So how does, um, like a general, from a general contractor's point of view, how, how much say do you have in what the subcontractors use as their bin people? That would be actually great uh, because DPR being like number one um, advocate of BIM. Yeah. Um, we want, so we are trying to get BIM on all our projects, whether it's uh, SSG or a big job. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
not every trade partner we have on every project is very familiar with BIM or some of them have never done it before. Mm -hmm. So that's why we try to put everything in the VDC execution plan and in their contracts. Mm -hmm. So, and then it's like, hey, you can review it. If you have any questions, you can come back to us. So a lot of, um, like I said, like people who are not, or trade partners who are not familiar, uh, we get a lot of pushback. Mm -hmm. And at that time, on one of my jobs, uh, we had this trade partners. They've never done BIM in their, like, until now on any of their projects. And they've been in business since along now. But, and it was, um, I wouldn't take names, but it was underground utilities. And in my opinion, although this is my one of the very first jobs I'm coordinating from like the beginning. So I've never coordinated underground utilities, but then as we started the project, I was like, okay, we have like underground utilities. And as we go on, like MEP and rest of the stuff. Mm -hmm. And I got to know that we are not doing it. Um, and then I reached out to my VDC manager and they were like, we should absolutely do it because definitely there is a value. Mm -hmm. And the, if there are so many things going underground, um, you definitely need to be sure that it's not like clashing mm -hmm. or, um, you know, they're put according, according to the plans. So I had to go back and forth like for a whole week just just to convince them, hey, we need it. And the response we got was like, hey, I think it's pretty useless. It's waste of time. I don't know what we're trying to accomplish. And I was very shocked, actually, more than surprised. Uh, it's like, oh, it's like we still have like people or the whole maybe, I don't know. Uh, I would want to say it's the view of the company, but we still have individuals out there who think that BIM is a total waste of time. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, maybe it's like, okay, I'm not hating you right now, but <laughs> maybe you're just, I see it as you're just less aware or educated about BIM. So yeah. I was like, okay, I can just take the opportunity, teach you about BIM, and then you tell me if it's not valuable. Mm -hmm. So we just walked him through the whole, whole process and like told the story from our uh, point of view that hey this is where you can see value you don't see it like right now but when you move forward when you have all those million RFIs maybe when we start you might start seeing it so, so that's really, much, that much how safe it's have. a way of planning a project that before you build it I mean there's value there regardless I mean doesn't any I think every company has a plan right right has some way they plan their their install mm -hmm. prior. I mean, so if you're not using BIM, what are you doing? I mean, yeah, using a Put it on a board and a pen and paper. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. So if you require BIM and as a subcontractor, I say, no, I'm not doing BIM. And yeah. later down the road, there's an issue. Yeah. And then I, need, I put a change order in, you know, is that when you go, well, we should have BIMed it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, right. At that point, to be very honest, I don't even know if we Personally, I don't think we should move forward any trade contractor who's who's saying like a big no for BIM. 
like okay if you're not doing it and again depending upon your scope if you're MEP it's like oh no not happening you want to work for DPR you yeah. do it yeah <laughs> it's, it's not just the big jobs it's the small jobs too so yeah. you're trying to get a lot of these smaller subcontractors that haven't seen it before and they're like wait wait what yeah so, you know so yeah. that's what something um one of our managers at DPR he just started so we are like testing it and how it works so we don't really know how that's going to be like he just started like i think a couple of months ago so yeah and i think that that says a whole lot for the bim industry itself i mean if dpr you know nationwide huge mm -hmm. general contractors requiring it on every project yeah even the smaller ones that shows the benefit i mean dpr is not going to just throw money out the window they see the yeah. value in it so they're going to want to pre-plan and do the projects right yeah and, and i think that was a big part of it mm -hmm. but you know what a lot of so one of the reasons um i wanted to come at dpr was dpr is like one of the few contractors general contractors who see value so much value in vdc um versus there are still like general contractors who are doing like outdated stuff and not up to the mark and i don't know it's just the whole industry is like kind of weird has like you're a gc how come like like you see something like how come you're not doing this how come you're not doing that it should be like pretty basic stuff mm -hmm. um and yeah mostly uh, like on a on an average what a lot of people or gcs are doing is is just the clash coordination and that's how the perspective of the mm -hmm. field team is like oh bim it it's they just see bim is equal to um clash coordination mm -hmm. and that's all so maybe this would be a great like platform for you to talk about hey bim is not just clash coordination it's more than that so yeah like cody was saying it's pre-planning it's yeah it, yeah i mean if you hire mlp you get a coffee mug and a t-shirt so yeah no it's if you utilize it right like we've had multiple subcontractors do you post bim once that model signed off that's when you call me and go hey can you get me a bomb can you get me a schedule can you get me construction drawings schools yeah. uh we had a client we were talking with a couple weeks ago over at mmc and they're using what's called stratus i don't know if you've ever heard of stratus but basically with this program they can take their bin model all the way to the shop all the way to the field and they're tracking it in this program and they can create spools in it they can create oh, yeah. in it. And, and it's all done uh autonomously mm -hmm. everything's managed in stratus and mm -hmm. from from the revit model to the time that piece hits the field it's tracked it's noted it's marked mm -hmm. and they can track it all the way through mm -hmm. that is a perfectly run bin model when you are tracking every piece yeah. every part from that model to the field through the shop, through prefab, all the way through until it's installed. Mm. They know where every piece is, what the status is, and where it's at. And, and you can't mess up. I mean, you're gonna have zero leftover fittings. You're gonna have, yeah. you're gonna save so much money. It's mm -hmm. crazy, but you, you have to have the people on board. You have to have your whole team implement it. Mm -hmm. There's there's no way that, you know, especially on, on, the, on the larger projects that a project manager could know where everything is at all times. Right. So, I mean, you have barcodes on the mm. pipe, you know, it's going through the shop. They're not even using paper anymore. You know, you're right. going green too, but you know, they're at any point able to know exactly where everything is. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a big benefit, I think. It, it's something I'd like to, you know, check out, but for us, we're just, just the 
BIM team. We're just subcontractors. We're not yeah. doing install. We're not doing prefab. Yeah, we can help you with that. We can right. give you the tools you need to succeed there. But mm -hmm. for us, purchasing Stratus, implementing it isn't something that we could do. Obviously, we could we help, help, them, help yeah. them implement it and right. utilize it for them. Mm -hmm. But they have to be on board all the way from ownership down to, you know, your, your foreman. Right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah because i don't know how much you are using uh, or how much you are in contact with your field team or are you not uh on mechanical plumbing jobs all the time i mean mm. constantly in contact because there's multiple times especially with a lot of these um ti jobs yeah they need to identify point of connections actual field conditions and right. like you said the control points on scans yeah. are usually portable never line up right right um we'll help them with fabrication mm -hmm. drawings too so they'll call us and let us oh. know when they want material on site mm -hmm. and we'll work with you know the fabricator and yeah kind of be like the bridge for them to Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you got connections over at Superior and mm -hmm. a couple of jobs you're able to, to get them better rates on their, on their sheet metal, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, just because you can take out that middleman. So yeah. there's definitely a lot of perks. Yeah. It's just being able to identify them and, and teach these subcontractors on how to properly utilize them. I think on that concrete job, they reached out to me and asked me if I can get them volume on the amount of concrete they have so they know how much dirt they need to remove that's yeah. a perfect example of them knowing they paid for BIM we can utilize it mm -hmm. let's give what we can out of right it. and then that's that and they were not planning to do it before um and those are the instances where you realize oh it's actually like you said it's actually adding value you know just throwing money out of window or just because it's a requirement from the GC mm -hmm. You know, I, I could see the pushback, you know, especially from certain industries, you know, site utilities, maybe. Yeah. But plumbing, electrical, mechanical, it's a must without a doubt. You know, mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen any argument that will tell me how a mechanical plumbing contract, an electrical contract, you can benefit from not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so I also wanted to bring up something because someone like me who's not been in the industry or for a long time or just started. A lot of students that studied with me in ASU for construction management, or especially when we took the uh, the BIM or technology class, mm -hmm. uh, we have a certain expectation or like we picture the industry, like BIM industry to be a certain way. And it, clearly it's not that. Mm -hmm. Like you have to force yourself in everything like when you say team on any project sometimes they will not even consider vdc coordinator as a team it's just a support so that's one thing definitely uh i would like to change or one of the goals as mm -hmm. we were talking about so it's not just support it's because vdc people are building the building before exactly the foreman or mm -hmm. you know the field team is building it so i personally don't see it as a support it's definitely there should be a part of um the team and mm -hmm. as we talk about inclusion um it should be like number one on the list yes. Definitely. I think, you know, a good BIM guy probably knows those drawings better than the super by the end of the project. I mean, they you've, do. Gone, you've gone through right. every detail. You've gone through 
a good BIM guy is going to catch things in the specs, in, in the details, mm -hmm. in, in the general notes mm -hmm. that they're not going to catch. Like, hey, you know, you got to use stainless slope duct right here. Oh, I didn't catch that. You know, yeah. You know, those are huge things that, that we look out for. But that's a good BIM guy, not someone that's just taking a model and going, oh, it's done. Yeah. So doing that extra work, it's it's critical, not just the support role. Like you said, we're the yeah. first ones to build the building. We're the first ones to touch those pieces. Right. Maybe it's virtually, but still. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's, that's a good call. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and it's just so surprising that VDC still have to struggle. Like being in, like you said, you started in 2015. It's been such a long time. Even then, we have to struggle to for acceptance or, you know, be as like or consider as important because nobody thinks it's that important until you uh, mess up right you mess up it's like oh that bim guy <laughs> yeah oh yeah then the bim guy is the first one oh, to yeah. be bamed on yep. oh, yeah the estimator the bim guy yeah yep yeah. Your job's so, real important. Or just support though, man. <laughs> yeah. All like, support's fault. At this time, I'm done. It's like Yep. Just thank you for your support. Right. So yeah. Maybe like to the people who are like starting new in the industry, uh just as an FYI, you have to like force yourselves into all of it. Like you just have to keep bugging them. Sometimes you just have to be that squeaky wheel. Mm -hmm. It's it's not that um, unfortunate. It's not that that easy. But some of the teams would be so nice and super welcoming. But yeah, if you're, I think that's where it comes into picture. Like if you're passionate about something, and then that would be like teams like this. And if you could like bring even like tiny amount of impact that's a great achievement right mm -hmm. because now if it's like team of 10 who is against BIM or not they don't see a lot of value in BIM um like if you can even like change one of the person to come to the BIM side it's it's I think it's a major achievement so definitely I mean two of our superintendents uh gary palazzano paul frecti they've both been on our podcast uh, yeah they, they were superintendents one's a steam fitter the other one's a plumber i mean 20 30 plus years each in the field yeah in the trenches you they they utilize them i mean paul he can do spool drawings by hand himself i mean they're yeah. both just magicians and experts in the industry right. mm -hmm. we got them trained in revit and these guys are like bim pros now i mean oh, really? yeah they within a wow. year they but they have that superintendent mindset mm -hmm. and having that in the BIM industry, it's, it's, it's huge. That would be so nice, right? Because now I've seen a lot of supers turning into um, BIM modelers. So, and then, or either way, if you, if you can't have a super do that, I mean, usually they do when they're near to retirement or after retiring. That's exactly the two we got. Yeah. Yeah. But like if you have supers, if it's possible for trade partners to have their modelers sit beside their supers, who's, mm -hmm. who's so it's like a person who's virtually building it and the person who's actually building it. There has to be like a lot of communication between these two. And sometimes it it's like, Mm -hmm. They don't even talk to each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something. I mean, my whole career has been based off of help from, you know, superintendents, guys right. in the field. 
And that's what I wanted to do when I brought on the superintendent. So we've got a sheet metal superintendent piping yeah. and plumbing mm -hmm. so that they can sit with the younger guys and teach them. Yeah. And then the younger guys can help with the technology and then, you know, together they yeah, make right. something amazing. Mm -hmm. We should run a retirement program. Like everyone was retired, just come on to the become a BIM modeler. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. I mean, that's a that's a getting those two is huge for us. I mean, yeah. even before we hired Gary, I learned everything I know about plumbing from Gary. I mean, yeah. I'm a journeyman in the four six nine union, mm -hmm. and I've never been in the field in my life. I learned almost everything behind the computer screen uh -huh. um, from Paul and Gary. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm a provisional journeyman, is what they call it, so I can't go out in the field. Oh. But I'm like a BIM journeyman, so I have the knowledge and the understanding. Mm -hmm. But it's because of those superintendents that I've sat next to and learned mm -hmm. from and picked their brains. You right. know, and like you said, you have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. You have to do it yourself. It's not just gonna come to you. Right. Um, <clears throat> so that's you know really important for anyone that that wants to get into this industry for sure. Is mm -hmm. anyone with knowledge get as much out of them as you can because it's right. invaluable. Um, definitely. <clears throat> But I think we're going on about an hour now and, you know, I don't right. know how much our viewers can handle of us. So oh, yeah, we might have to wrap it up, but yeah. Yeah. thanks for joining yeah. us. And Yuka, we'll definitely have to do it again. Yeah, yeah. sure. I loved, loved talking to you and thank you for inviting me. Yeah, so. it's good, good information for sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, keep going. Cool stuff. Yeah. So remember, yeah. call them LP and you can be on a podcast too one day. <laughs> <laughs>